I'll say, bless the Lord, and you say, oh my soul, bless the Lord. All that's within me, bless his holy name. Whew, I'm on overflow right now after that. I'm about to run through a brick wall, um, but I'll just tackle Matt Morris backstage. That'll suffice. Um, goodness gracious. Uh, we're in the second installment of Wake Up, O Sleeper. That's a verse in Ephesians that says, Wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and the light of Christ will shine on you. And I think for some of us, um, those of us who are in the room who are followers of Christ, and for some of us who are just here considering the claims of Christ, it's really easy in environments like this sometimes to kind of fall asleep to the meanings of the words and the songs that we're singing and the reality that it's describing. Um, and so one of the reasons that when we, I come up here, I say, bless the Lord, one, it's the only appropriate response after sitting under worship and gospel truth like that and reminding ourselves of our identity. Two, it's to prime your pump. I want you to talk back to me. So if I say anything tonight that's a blessing to you or that you resonate with me, you can give me verbal feedback. It's okay, all right? So I was trained up in the African-American preaching tradition, which was just validation for a white boy to finally talk in class. So my mom's here tonight, which I love her, but she was always telling me to be quiet in church. And I went to seminary and found out I could talk in church. And so take that, mommy. Uh, so if there's any place tonight where you hear something that resonates with me, you can talk back to me. If you're highly Caucasian and you don't know what that looks like, you can say, amen, brother. Um, that's just, that's kind of toe in the water. Um, one thing that you can do is if I say a scripture or phrase that really resonates with you, you repeat the last word back to me. Um, well is always good, but you got to find it deep down. Well, just like that. I would love that. That would make me happy. Um, the greatest compliment you can give me is shut your mouth, preacher, which means keep going. Um, or a lot of times it's take your watch off, preacher. So if you guys want to have church up in here, or some of you may actually shout me down and say, put your watch back on, and that way I'll know it's not resonating and it's time to call it quits. Okay, we're still good. So he said, bless the Lord. And that's one of those things, I love it because it's a phrase in the psalm and it orients us to why we're here because God has blessed us and we want to bless him right back in return and that's how that relationship works. But what do we really mean when we say that? Like, honestly, what is that? Are you allowed to bless the Lord? Is the Lord only allowed to bless us? Do we have the power to do that? Can we do that in return? What exactly does that mean? And as a Yankee, um, who's invaded the South for the last 15 years, I've considered myself an expert on decoding Southern culture and language, um, seeing how it is I live with my wife, who's all up in it. And so you guys like to say a phrase like this, oh, bless your heart. Loosely translated, that means you stupid idiot. <laughs> this is what church, and especially Southern church folk, have mastered the art of, sounding religious while they insult you to your face. Right, so I was on an airplane one time getting off in Birmingham, the south, and you know, if you've ever been on an airplane, everyone's anxious to get off, the bell chimes, seatbelts go off, and then every single idiot on the plane thinks they're going to actually jockey three people up and it's going to make a difference. It doesn't. It just puts your derriere in my face and it's really awkward. So if we could all just kind of wait and get off in an orderly fashion, that's when I get really self-righteous and judgmental. Um, it's not that often, but when it happens, I have to take advantage of it. And so we're getting off, plane taxis in, doom, doom, girl, three seats in front of me, sitting by the window, don't know if she had a precious boyfriend who was waiting for her, don't know if her my mother was see, receiving a life transplant heart or something, but she needed to get off this plane. 
As soon as it goes off, the seatbelt sign, she rips it off, shoots straight up, and smashes her head into the overhead bin. And you know how quiet it gets on a plane when after you've been around engines and they finally shut off? And I mean, she was first one up and wha-bam! And the whole place goes, ah! <laughs> Now, I live my life by very few principles. And one of them is if something's funny, you laugh at it. Because <laughs> chances are it's going to be me someday and you guys have permission. So I start dying laughing and then I hear it from behind me. First response is, oh, bless her heart. I'm like, you stupid idiot, that's what you mean! Gotcha, nailed you, decoded you. My wife still does this. I've told her about this, but then uh, she and her stay-at-home mom's crew, right? This is what they say to a little kid. Oh, bless it. What they really mean is, I'm so glad that's not my kid right now. So kid comes up, pooped his pants, or just like, just had his ice cream cone smashed in the side of his face. He's crying. Oh, bless it. So glad that's your kid. That's not mine right now. That's what that means. And what does it mean when we actually say, man, I, I really am blessed? Or what are we actually saying when we say, bless the Lord? What is the significance to that phrase that maybe we want to wake up and live into tonight? And so there's a couple verses I'd like to read uh, for us tonight, and it's going to be in Ephesians chapter 1, um, and we're going to read verses 3 through 14. Now, I got to prep you guys, especially for those of you who are like me, that after you get to about three or four verses out loud, you're like, I, I, I don't even know what you're saying anymore, okay? But I want to put on our big boy hats and glasses and girls, and here we go. We're going to jump into this because I believe this is accurate. Purdom can correct me later, but in the Greek, this is the original longest run-on sentence in the New Testament. 202 words long from the introduction Paul hits blessing, and then he's off like a shotgun. And this guy is just like gospel tongue-wagging everybody, okay? Every verse in here, you can explicitly or implicitly hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. So you just close your eyes, point to one, gospel. There it is. It's great. So if you want a refresher on how to talk about the gospel, how to experience the gospel, just pick one of these verses out. But it's going to go off. So Harold Hoffner, who's a uh, New Testament scholar, he says this, Paul defies structure here with this kaleidoscope of dazzling and shifting colors. And now, this is just me and my ADD, but I kind of picture it like the club scene and the strobe lights are on. It's so if you want to picture that while we read that, you can, if you think that's sacrilegious and you don't want to. God probably loves you more than me, bless your heart. Um, <laughs> And then Eugene Peterson is really helpful too, I think, as we read this text. Paul, stay with me. Paul is playful, extravagant, and totally engaging as he tells us what is going on in this God-created, Christ-saved, spirit-blessed world into which we have been born and are now growing. So that's the introduction to our text. Ephesians chapter 1, starting in verse 3. Praise or blessed be the God of our Father and of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Now he's about to unpack that, and it's going to take a while. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. Uh-oh, we're saints. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons and daughters through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and his will. 
to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have the redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. And he made known to us the mystery of his will, according, once again, to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to be put in effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment, to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. In him we are also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with his purpose of his will. So that's just rearticulating good, good father song. He's perfect in all of his ways. In order that we, who are the first to hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. I'll say the word of the Lord, and if you'll say thanks be to God. The word of the Lord. Yeah. So here's what I think, there's a couple moves we're going to have to make, so track with me. One, I think we're going to have to actually unpack our misunderstanding of the word blessing. We're going to have to see how a lot of people use it, and then we're going to dig down and see how the Bible uses it and transforms how we will live into the word blessing. So uh, I used to uh, work out at the Y. I still do here, but this was a different Y. Um, and there was a guy who worked there, and every time I would walk in, I'd say, I'm like, hey, man, how you doing? He'd say this, too blessed to be stressed. And I liked it. It, it was sing-songy. It was like, yeah, well... And I liked it. And, you know, for me, who's kind of catatonically introverted and always just processing the world's problems, especially my own, I'm like, yeah, maybe I need to lighten up and just enjoy God's blessings a little bit more. Uh, Unfortunately, most of the stress that the people in the Bible experienced are actually caused by God's blessing. So that's going to help root word out some of our things. Then, for some reason, uh, this word has also been hijacked by some of, maybe some of our brothers and sisters, that's cold, um, in the health and wealth gospel who think, you know, God's just out to make me prosperous. He's out to make me rich. He's out to make me happy. I want everything that the world wants. And at the end of the day, I just want to thank God. I want to score the touchdown and live the American dream. And at the end of the day, the way that I'll bless God is hit my chest twice and point to heaven and that's it. Keep letting me live my life my own way. Um, Boggs and I were talking about this and he was uh, telling me about one uh, speaker who, who got a word from the Lord that uh, the Lord wanted to provide that person with a, an airplane. Um, and uh, the phrase was, favor ain't fair. <laughs> and uh, I don't know why I like that so much. Um, but to some extent, it is accurate just in the other way. Because the men and women that God calls out to bless and show his favor to a lot of them point their finger and say, this isn't fair. You've called me to do this. I'm woefully inadequate and under-equipped, and it doesn't seem like what you promised was going to happen is happening. And sometimes the favor doesn't feel fair. But what I love to say is, it's love, and love is stronger than fair. So let's go back. God has blessed us in every spiritual blessing, and we'll try to unpack some of those phrases. But let's go back to the beginning and try to reorient our word for blessing. 
So it's Baraku in Hebrew, and the first place that we see this is in Genesis chapter 1. He blesses the birds of the air and says, go swarm and multiply, and it's awesome. But then we show up on the scene, by the way, and creation goes from good to very good because God creates us in his image. Here are the first words out of God's mouth to humanity from the author of Genesis. And God blessed them. Now, the original connotation of that meaning is it's favor, it's praise. Um, it has this also, it can also sometimes mean to kneel, especially when it's us before God. There's some places in a Middle Eastern context it can actually mean a greeting. Blessings be upon you. God's favor and God's peace be upon you. So here is our good, good father who just made his kids in his image. And the first thing he does when they open up their eyes and see their father is... He kneels down and he blesses them. Come here, kids. Mwah, mwah. You look great, just like your daddy. Okay, here's the deal. I've designed you for blessing. So here's what's gonna happen. You're gonna be fruitful, multiply. You're gonna subdue the earth. I'm gonna give you purpose and I'm gonna give you passion. Now check this out. Here's what I created for you kids. It's a garden. Its name is Eden. It means delight because this is how I designed the human soul and human beings to flourish in life. When you're in right relationship with me and each other and creation, you are blessed to be a blessing to one another. And that's how I've designed this place to work. But the gospel narrative that we see throughout scripture is we're born into beauty, but then there's brokenness. Because there is a single simple lie that Satan has been telling from the beginning and he's telling it to you tonight and it has not changed. You can't trust God. And you got to think about this. He comes into creation, into delight, into a man and woman who know each other, walk with God in the cool of the day, have conversation, have intimacy, have purpose, have an incredible job of naming the animals and figuring this stuff out. And all God has said is this, everything that you see, it's good. Eat, enjoy it, delight in it, except for this one. This one's not for you, not yet. And I need you to trust me on that. What do we do when we remember that story? God said, don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And it's got like the spotlight on it. And it's 80 feet tall in the middle of the garden. It's like, <laughs> Chances are, some people say it might even have been a shrub or a bush. I don't want a shrub, right? It's this shrub right here that God says, not now, not yet. If you focus on this, this is all you see. If you turn around, Adam and Eve would have seen this. Yes, 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 yes. No, yes, 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 yes. Serpent comes in and goes, what about this? He's withholding something from you. Doesn't point their direction to everything that they have to delight and enjoy and celebrate and participate in the blessing. This right here. If he's withholding it from you, it must be really good. You won't be happy unless you experience this. Anybody else have that temptation? Anybody else heard that voice before? If I just had this, then I would be happy. And God's not giving it to me. And so we go from beauty, beauty to brokenness. And we step outside of the boundaries of blessing into the brokenness of betrayal. And Adam and Eve say, 
we don't trust the Father's heart. We don't think that you're a good Father. And we want what we want when we want it. And sin enters into the world and creation is cracked. And to this day, it's still groaning awaiting its redemption. But then Jesus shows up and he baptizes us or immerses us into himself, his life, his death, and his resurrection, all so that we can live back into the blessing that God originally designed for us. Beauty, brokenness, baptism, blessing. And this is the idea and connotation of blessing that Paul is picking up on here. And he wants to say, bless the Lord. Why? Because we understand that God is the author of every single blessing, anything good on this earth that we have possibly experienced, God is the author of. And the natural response is for me to say, bless the Lord, right back to him. Paul's also writing. He's Jewish. He's in a Greco-Roman context. And so he understands the Jewishness of the word blessing, but he's also imploring the Greco-Roman concept of blessing. The Greek word here for blessing is where we get the term eulogy. And what would be understood in Greco-Roman society is if a benefactor gives you something where you are weak or poor or in need and he has a higher status than you or she has a higher status than you, you would be uh, expected to eulogize them. In public, you were expected to say good things about them, describe the good gift that they gave you, and two things would happen when you did that in public. One, it would elevate the benefactor's position in the community, and two, by your declaring that in public, it would unite you in a bonding relationship with your benefactor. So Paul's just picking up on that, and he says, bless Praise be to the God of Father who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. I want to elevate God's goodness in our community and I further want to establish our relationship and our tie. And that's what he goes on a 202 word rant about. Here's everything that unites us in him. Here's every way that he has blessed us. And blessing God back is a proper and the only response when we have received God's blessing. I saw an incredible example of this. About six years ago, one of my dearest friends, Davey Fisher, turned 40. And he actually, I was in Tuscaloosa at the time. He lived in Nashville. And so we came to God's country. Um, and he said, hey, I want to celebrate our 40th birthday. And I'm like, oh, okay. So I was talking to Audrey. I'm like, hey, what are we going to get Davey? And he wrote this email out. He's a wordsmith, great guy. And he just said, I want to invite my closest friends and family to celebrate my 40th birthday. Here are the rules. You may not bring a gift, and you have to come and enjoy yourself. So we show up at his house, we get there, it's some of his closest friends, it's his parents, um, and we're all kind of just hanging out. He has hired a gourmet chef in his house to cook us an eight-course meal. I, I, I've never had an any-course meal before, okay? I got four kids, I eat cold mac and cheese, all right? So I don't know what it's like to take your time eating. I'm having straight adult conversation. I haven't been interrupted once. I'm just like a kid in a candy factory, right? I, I, I'm the most extroverted person you'll ever meet, even though I'm an introvert. Why? In an uninterrupted conversation with people I know and love. So we all sit down. He's put up about, you know, 15 chairs in his little living room next to all of his Lego statues. That's Davey, you know, just total Star Wars nerd, and I love him for it. Um, and so we're just sitting around talking, and I mean, course after course comes, and it's this delectable fruit. And here's what gourmet people do is they never give you enough, right? You just get like this little strawberry, and you're like, do I eat that? Do I take a picture of it? Do I lick it? 
you feel bad. I don't feel bad. My wife feels bad. I'm just like, ah, ah, okay, what's, can I have yours? And you're like, savor it, Chris, savor it. <laughs> We're going through stuff like cleansing the palate. I have no idea what that means, but I'm going to give it a shot. We just start, and everything, it just, you, you can't think it gets any better. It just keeps getting better and better. And we're just laughing, talking, having a great time, and the food is incredible. And we get done, we have dessert, we think the night's over. It's probably been an hour and a half, two hours of just enjoying each other's company and presence. And Davey stands up and he says, hey, I want to thank you. You're all my dearest friends. Thanks for being here. I have a gift for you. And he goes over and he pulls out a stack of envelopes. And he hands them out each to every single one of us. And now, mind you, for his 40th birthday, he's decided to bless us. It's usually supposed to be the other way around. But he's handing them out, and he says, I've written down what each of you mean to me and what a crucial role that you've played in my life and my story. And then he says this, it's not enough that you know I love you. The people I love most need to know I love you and how I love you. So I want to go around the room, and I want each of you to stand up in front of the people I love the most and read out what I think about you. Now, I'm a straight-up feeler to begin with. I cried at the food, and then I'm undone. <laughs> like, I, I'm just, yeah, 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 yeah. I, could, I got three words out. My wife had to read it for me because I was that, I just, <laughs> somebody loves and values me. <laughs> we go through, and I... I can only describe what I experienced as a holy experience. We get done, everyone, and we all burst into spontaneous applause, and we all sit there after that, like in a holy silence, like, I know it's over, but it doesn't feel like it's finished. And do you know what happened? One by one, people felt compelled to reply and tell Davy how much they meant to him because he had just blessed them in extravagant and abundant ways, they got a case of the can't help it. And they started saying, but Davey, I appreciate this about you. Now that I've received more than my fair share, I can't help but to speak and to declare in front of everybody how much I appreciate you and how much I want to raise your status in front of everybody else and how much I want to reaffirm my relationship with you. And it just starts going off like popcorn. It even got to a place where people actually started bringing up some painful chapters in their story and apologized for it to Davy in front of everybody. Repentance was happening at a banquet feast because blessing was so overwhelming. All this stuff just starts coming up and you're going, thank you, I love you. I'm sorry about that. Can you forgive me? Good, let's move on. It was undeniable. What would happen if that was a normal practice for the Christian community? That because we serve a God who blesses, we intrinsically know I'm blessed to be a blessing. And you learn differently and you listen differently when you know that you're going to have to teach something to somebody else. If you realize I'm blessed to be a blessing, you receive it and look for it differently. It's not so that you can hoard it. It's not so that you can arrange your life and go, oh, look at me, I'm so blessed. What that means, God calls Abraham to continue his story and says, I want to bless you so that you are a blessing to all the nations. That's God's plan. 
I want to choose people. Favor ain't fair. I want to grab them. And I want to pour out my blessings on them. Why? So that we can continue to have awesome church services and incredible Bible studies. Sure, that's part of it. The next step is so that you can go out and bless every family in the world. Even the ones you're afraid of. Even the countries that persecute you. Even the people and places you would say never in a thousand years, somehow there's some kind of compulsion because of what you've been blessed and accepted by, you have to go and tell. I am blessed in order to be a blessing. And here's just some of the benefits that Paul can't help but describe when he gets going. In verse 3, it's, I get every spiritual blessing. 4 to 6, it's election and adoption. 7 and 8, it's redemption and forgiveness. 9 and 10, he's made known the mystery of his kind intentions. And I love that word, kind intentions. Because if you don't begin with blessing, you'll end with cursing. Fundamentally, the problem with the view of God is you think he's out to get you and hurt you and curse you. If you don't fundamentally believe that God is a good father with kind intentions and he has designed a life in which you can flourish and find your true identity and purpose, you'll constantly be hedging your bets and staring at this right here going, why won't you give that to me? But I think this is where happiness is. I'm tired of waiting. It's not fair, God. And sometimes I think God lets us choose those things and come to the consequence of those things. Not because he's angry or judgmental, but because he's actually a good father who wants to see you to see that death is actually death. And he knows that life is actually life. He's not left it up to us to define those things. He's left it up to us to live into those things and multiply those things to the people around us so that we can be blessed in order to be a blessing. 11 and 12, he chose us. 13 and 14, the gospel of our salvation, and we're sealed with the Holy Spirit, which, by the way, is only a deposit. Only a deposit of the things that come. Kick it up, kick it down. It's just getting better. There's a reason why in Scripture it's called the banqueting feast and the marriage feast of the Lamb of God and the church. Is it unbelievable that the primary metaphors for the full consummation of the kingdom of God in Scripture are a marriage, drinking, and eating? Yes, please. Can't wait. I'm going to heaven. Can't wait. Going to see Jesus. Can't wait. Do you understand that every hint of deep abiding joy you've ever experienced in this life is but a foretaste of the glory divine that God has prepared for us in Christ Jesus? So why are we so downcast, oh my soul? Because all we got our eyes on is what's been withheld or what we can't see or what we're not getting. I'm not discounting that. I really am not. But I am asking that Jesus would be the lifter of your head and show you the garden of his delight and to show you that he is trustworthy and so are his people. My grandfather um, was dying. My mom's here. She was taking care of him. My mom is an incredible blessing to our family. She's a nurturer, a caregiver. The way the Lord has skilled her in certain ways, she put up with me, which was unbelievable. That in itself deserves a crown in heaven. And she just keeps going. Uh, she took care of my grandfather until he passed away. She's taking care of her mom right now. And for us, taking care of my father-in-law, I understand that is a thankless, 
difficult, incredibly painful and awkward job. Um, but my son and I, we flew up to see my grandfather because he knew, we knew he was in the last stages of his life. He sat down with us, and my grandfather's just awesome. He's so old school. He's grilling Simon about his conversion experience. Like, do you know that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior? And Simon's like, yes. And he's melting in front of his stare. But he was asking me to help plan out his funeral. And he knew exactly how he wanted it. And he asked me to speak for him like I would be honored to eulogize you. And he said this, and it stuck with me. He says, Chris, your grandmother and I believe there's only two type of people in this world. There's givers and there's takers. And we want to be people who gave. I think my grandfather was on to something. But I would tweak that just a little bit. There are only two type of people in this world. There are takers and those who give because they know how to receive. God blesses us so that we can be a blessing. We can't offer something we haven't yet received or truly delight in and enjoy. So maybe the first step towards Christ tonight is to start to receive and enjoy that stuff so that you can be a conduit for his blessing and for his grace. The other thing I would add to that is we say the statement, I am blessed to be a blessing, to make it theologically accurate for every one of those statements in the book of Ephesians. It's not first person singular. It's second person plural. It's we. We are blessed to be a blessing. We are saints in Christ Jesus. We are blessed in Christ Jesus collectively. You don't get it all. I only get it all when I become a part of your family. When I rub shoulders and I get in the seams of life with you, you have a blessing that I don't, or you have spiritual wisdom that I don't hear. You have gifts that I don't hear, and I get to share in them with you because we do life together. We are blessed in order to be a blessing. And the reason we can be a blessing is because Jesus Christ became cursed for us. Scripture says that anyone who hangs on a tree is cursed. And so the perfect, blessed, beloved Son of God hung on a tree, naked and dying, so that he could bear the curse and the consequence of our sin and brokenness, so that he could resurrect from the grave with the keys to death and life and freely distribute them to all of his children. We are blessed to be a blessing. This has been so evident to me uh, watching some of the stories that are coming out of this place. So I want to invite you to watch and be blessed by a story from Darren, who's a part of our community, as he opens up authentically about his life, his experiences, and what brought him to a place where he decided, I want to be a part of the family of God. So watch with me as we hear Darren's story. Growing up, my family, we would only attend church on holidays. That being said, faith was not big part of our life. Uh, when I was eight years old, my parents dropped the bomb on us. My sister and I divorced. And I didn't really know what that was at the time, but I saw my family crumbling. I remember my sister and I just hiding in the other room, listening to screaming, yelling, and crying, and we're just scared. I was the first of my friends to have divorced parents. I felt like a complete failure graduated from college. I was laid off from my first two jobs. I would see people I knew get married and have great success. I just want, I envied their lives. I wanted to have what they had, but the only happiness I had was eating out, playing video games, 
watching movies. I did everything alone. I was in complete isolation. I did everything I could to avoid anything that was going on in my life. I moved here in September and I would watch my sister and her husband go to church every Sunday. But it wasn't until mid-October until I decided to take the opportunity to go with them. I went to the top of the bleachers, sat alone, listened to the message, and senior pastor Mike Glenn read a prayer card. Someone submitted a prayer card that said, I want to kill myself. And I felt like a ton of bricks just came down on me. I felt like I was killing myself, living the past eight years in isolation. I realized that I could not control my life anymore, that I needed to let Jesus step in and take over. He knows where I need to be. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. I feel like a new creation. I felt like the next chapter of my life that the Lord is leading me to be baptized. And it's all in the name of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Beauty, brokenness, baptism, blessing. We're about to enter into 120 seconds of silence where we try to listen to the voice of God and look for the blessings of God. And we try to just answer two questions as God's children. What do I think God is saying to me? And what do I need to do about it? During this time, you're, you can come forward and kneel at the altar. You can go to the prayer walls. But I thought it would be especially poignant tonight if Darren would come up. And would you lead us in prayer? Uh, that starts us off on this time. And I'm asking Darren to specifically pray for anyone who's in the midst of the brokenness he was experiencing in his story at this time. Um, so Darren, would you lead us in prayer, please? Dear Lord, um, please help those who are going through the same struggles that I have been through. Please be with them. And just knowing that divorce, depression, and isolation is just, it could only be overcome by getting closer to you and connecting through you. Your scripture states that, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Please present yourself to us, Lord. Let us feel you, just like I did at that time when you presented yourself to me. Your words also state, so do not fear, yes. for I am with you. With you. Yeah. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. Yes. I will strengthen you yeah. and help you. help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Please be with everyone here tonight, God, and we are ready. We're ready. We're waiting for you waiting. to show us the next steps. Yeah. And in your Lord, Savior, Jesus Christ.
Amen. Amen.